Welcome to the Manager Tools member-only podcast for March 2006. Hello everyone, this is Michael Ozan, and welcome back to Manager Tools. This is the first of four shows giving a high-level overview of how to communicate with different behavioral styles at work. Now, we recently used the DISC profile system to supplement the way we gave feedback and talked about it on a recent podcast. Today's podcast, however, is a broader application of the four major styles of behavior in the workplace and how to modify our behavior to be more effective with them. Note, it's that time of month, and if you haven't voted for us at Podcast Alley this month, please go ahead and do so. It's a real simple way to express your appreciation for the work podcasters do, and Mark and I truly appreciate it. There's a link on the Manager Tools website to make it real simple. So, with that, on with what I think you'll find to be a really great show. One of our last um, um, regular podcasts, we talked about the the DISC model, right? Um, particularly in regards to giving people feedback, and we got a lot of great response right. about how people have found that to be effective, and they wanted to to learn more about DISC. Right. Uh, we covered it at a very very high level, and so we thought we'd we'd do on these special member only podcasts is we cover DISC in a little bit more detail, right? And specifically today we're gonna we're gonna talk about the D or the the dominant. Um, part of the DISC model. And, and really what we're talking about here is communication. Um, uh, the, the primary skill that a manager uses is not decision-making, but rather communication. Um, it's the thing he or she does most frequently. And the fact is only about 25% of the people we communicate with should we be using our natural sort of habitual way of communicating. We all have our own habits of communicating, whether we're outgoing or reserved or whether we're people-focused or task-focused or whatever. Um, and the DISC model basically says, look, there are four different styles of behavior slash communication. You should know what those four are. And if you know what they are, if you're able to spot them and then able to modify your behavior slightly, you're going to be a great deal more effective. Um, you know, the funny equivalent of the DISC model, Mike, is the, the jokes about uh, men and women communicating, about how women are from, you know, men are from Mars and women are from Venus, and how, um, you know, uh, husbands and wives or significant others argue about things, and you can tell if you're the third party that they both agree, but because of the way they're communicating, or in, in the case of the joke about men not communicating, um, or not talking about how he feels, uh, they end up crossing paths and it ends up being conflict. And basically the DISC model recognizes that in the workplace, there are different natural styles. And regardless of what style you are, your effectiveness can be significantly enhanced by recognizing other people's styles and modifying the way you communicate so that the other person can understand you. Because as we've talked about before, listening or communication is what the listener does. If I speak, all I'm doing is uttering. It's not until you accept into your brain what it is I'm saying, which means you control it, are we actually communicating. So we've got to understand what the listener is 
thinking and feeling and so on, and then modify our, our communication to make it effective for them. And, and for those people, my, I think I've used this analogy before, but for those people who would say, well, I'm really, that's really not for me. And I, and I suspect, you know, this is going out to thousands of people. I, I, uh, I suspect there are people right now who are thinking, ah, disc, I don't really need it. You know, I, I'm the same all the time. And I would argue that's just not true. They talk differently to their spouse than they do to their mother, than they do to their father, than they do to their kids. They behave differently at work than they do in church. And that just proves that they've accepted that there are different situations and different people that require different communication styles. We're suggesting a more professional and a more effective way of doing it by really paying attention to other people's behavior and being able to do it all the time rather than requiring a 20-year relationship with someone in order to finally learn what it is as their style and then become effective after 20 years, which you don't have in a, in a business career. Given that, we thought that it would be useful to kind of break this up into um, a couple different components. And, and one is talk about how to, you know, what, what the models are, but how to, how to recognize people um, and how to spot different profiles. So, for example, we talk about D today. We're going to talk about how to spot people that are high on the, the D axis. Right, exactly. So we're going, to, we're going to do four podcasts, and in this one we're focusing just on dominant people. These are people that are like Vince Lombardi, George Patton, Norman Schwarzkopf, to a degree Donald Trump, um, even though I hope nobody's learning too much business from Donald Trump nowadays. Um, Somebody who's forceful, somebody who's direct, somebody who's no nonsense. Um, uh, they tend to be, you know, I think some people would describe them as power hungry. They wouldn't really say that, but but that's how they might be perceived. And and what we'll do throughout these four sessions to help people become more sensitive to different people's styles is we're going to use three buckets, if you will, to think about how to spot these different um profiles, high D, high I, high S, and high C. And again, that's where the disc come from, D, I, S, and C. Um, the three are verbal clues, vocal clues, um, not just what, verbal is what they say, and vocal is how they say it, and then visual clues, things that they do or things that you'll see um, that will tip you off. Now, some of these four styles, they share. Um, there are, there are uh, you know, high Ds and high Cs tend to make steady eye contact. Um, but it's the combination of five or six of these that will help enormously um, to, to essentially give you a way of characterizing someone's habitual behaviors. And if you ask these questions, if you're constantly looking as you meet new people or as you interact with people you already know, if you use these how to spot them clues, it will help you decide what their habits are. And then based on their habits, we'll tell you, okay, with that kind of person, here are the ways they would want to be communicated to. And if you communicate to them in a way that makes sense to them, you're more likely to be effective. And in, in fact, a high D wouldn't say this, but but they'll like people will like you more and like it or not, as a couple of people have mentioned on the website recently, politics is a fact of life in large organizations. And while it may not be your goal to be liked, a high D doesn't really care whether he or she is liked at all. Um, if other people respect you more because they get along with you better, because you communicate with them better, your career and, and therefore your results and your likelihood of being successful are going to be greatly improved. Right. Okay. So, so on the communicating more effectively, we're going to talk about you know how to how how to delegate better, how how to give feedback, coaching, reporting, yeah, kind of the gamut of the types of communication you do as a we're manager. communicating exactly. We're going to talk both up the chain and down the chain. If you have to report to somebody or if you have to delegate and so on, yeah, as you mentioned, good, great. Um, okay, so we're going to talk how to how to spot them, and then number two, we're going to talk about how to communicate more effectively right. with 
a person of that that profile. All right. So so first, let's just set level set a little bit on high D's, Mike. These are the Vince Lombardi's, the George Patton's, the Norman Schwarzkopf, the the Donald Trumps of the world. They're forceful. They're direct. They're perceived as aggressive. Sometimes they're blunt. They're no nonsense. They tend to be. They tend to do better in terms of climbing a corporate ladder, quite frankly, because they push for their ideas and they're and they're willing to push maybe in a little bit of a Machiavellian way in order to make things happen. Uh, they like power and authority. They like to get promoted. Um, you know, they're not the most warm and fuzzy people, but it always seems that when the you know as many people say when the big projects come down, they go to high D's because. You know, the bosses think the high D can, you know, if a few eggs need to be broken, by gosh, we'll break a few eggs, but at least we'll have an omelet when we're done. So how do we spot these? What are the, the clues that um, one could use to identify high Ds? Okay. So um, let's talk verbal. Okay. Verbal clues. These are things that they'll say or how they talk that'll be, that'll be helpful, things to look for. First of all, when they're asking questions, they tend to ask what questions? What's the status of? What have you done? What remains to be done? Okay. As opposed to, I'll give you an example, just sort of as a counterpoint to that, Mike. If, you're, if, if a high I is asking questions, they're asking things like, who's working on that? Who's responsible for that? Um, how is that going? Okay. Um, who, do we, who are we relying on for that information? Who do I need to talk to to help you? The I's tend to focus on who. D's want to focus on the facts. What's done? What's not done? What needs to be done? Uh, what's our weakness? What's our strength? Those kinds of things. On the other hand, a lot of times high Ds, rather than asking questions, Mike, they tend to tell rather than ask. Rather than saying, where are we? They'll say, tell me where we are. Or tell me what our weaknesses are. They, they, they essentially make demands rather than asking questions. Now contrast that with somebody who would be the exact opposite of a high D, which would be a high S. If I were a high S, Mike, and you work for me, I might say something like, boy, Mike, I'd really appreciate it if you could tell me um, how things are going and how you're feeling about this project. Okay, so can you tell me, you know, how are you feeling about it? Well, the high D says, tell me what's up. Tell me where we right. are. Tell me what so we messed D's up. So high Ds can feel can sound more brusque and curt. Yes, absolutely. And, and in fact, they, they often while they often make steady eye contact, which we'll talk about in just a minute, they also will, may not be looking at you. If you're in their office, they may not be looking. They'll be looking down um, when they're when they're talking to you, or they'll look up when you make a point of some import, but then look right back down. They tend to talk more than they listen. Um, in other words, they, they'll. They'll just keep talking and ask you questions, and as soon as they get what if you if you give them five sentences, Mike, if they get what they wanted answered in the first two sentences, they don't hear your next three, and they start talking. They're very focused on give me what I want to know, and then I'm going to continue doing what I was doing. They go right to the issue. You're not going to get hardly any small talk. Um, in fact, if you were to come in into a high D, if you report to a high D and say, "Hey, how was your weekend, boss?" I'd say, "Great. Uh, now, <laughs> uh, where are we on Project X?" Tell me where we are. Um, or, or better yet, they say, yeah, mine was fine. Yours? Good. Okay, let's go. Right, right. Um, and, you know, people, a high S particularly, or high S, are going to say, you know, these people are pushy. They're rude. Um, you know, they, they, um, they, they tend to interrupt me. They tend to talk a little bit louder. Um, they tend to use acronyms. They use very short sentences. They don't really talk about how they feel, and they don't really care how you feel. Um, you know, what's that line from a sergeant in the army? If God wanted you to, if God wanted me to know how 
you were feeling he'd have given me feelings or something like that. Um, <laughs> you know, I really don't care how you feel. Or it's a case of mind over matter. I don't mind and you don't matter. <laughs> um, very direct with opinions. You know, if there's a group of people sitting around the room and there's some high Ds and you say, hey, what do y'all think? The high Ds will say, well, I think this or I think that. They don't mind being wrong sometimes, quite frankly. Um, but if you ask them their opinion, they'll tell you because they assume, by gosh, when they ask you your opinion, they'll want to know it. And they can't imagine why, if it's not going to get you fired, why wouldn't you share your opinion? Even if you disagree with me. I don't mind if you disagree with me. At least have the guts to stand up and disagree with me. Gee whiz. Okay. Now, vocally, a lot of vocal variety. Okay. Uh, up and down. Very uh, often can be very loud. Um, uh, very authoritative tone of control. Look, we're going to do this. Any questions, goodbye. Okay. Um, Bob, I expect you to do this by Tuesday. Any questions? Good. Thank you, Bob. Next. Okay. They tend to speak very quickly. Um, hey, listen, try to keep up. I'm going to make some, you know, I want you to make some notes, get back to you on it. This is the end of the day. One, two, three, four. Got it? Okay, bye. Um, they have, they often have a challenging intonation. They're, they're comfortable saying, are you getting this? Um, do I, do I need to repeat myself? These are the verbal and vocal clues that you can expect to get from high D. Now, what about visual clues? Again, now remember, let's take a step back just real quick before we give visual clues and say this. These are the things you should be looking for that will help you characterize how another person tends to habitually communicate. This is not who they are. This is not their personality. It's their habits of communication. By knowing someone's habits, you can modify your communication style to be more like them. And people who communicate more like someone else tend to be better liked, tend to be more respected, tend to get more of what they want from the other person, which, you know, in most organizations, you have to rely on other people to get certain things done. Okay. So in terms of things that you could see a high D do, they are... Classic for firm handshakes, firm, fast handshakes. Um, they make direct eye contact. They love to cross their arms. They love to lean back in chairs in meetings um, and sort of spread out. Um, they'll even be comfortable looking a little bit sloppy. They'll put their face on their, you know, they'll rest their chin and their hand on the arm of a chair. Um, on the other hand, they'll definitely lean forward, put their elbows on the table, and say, look, here's what we're going to do. Does anybody have any questions? Um, sort of like that old uh, commercial, the Duracell commercial, where Robert Conrad would put the battery on his shoulder and say, go ahead, knock it off. <laughs> that's um, not a high S. What's right. that? That's not a high S. Thing. No, it's not a, that's not a socializer. This is a dumb, we're talking about a dominant person. They love to make big gestures. And I may have mentioned this in the previous podcast, Mike, but almost no one no human being makes no gestures at all. In fact, I think I've shared this with you, Mike. Do you know that blind people from birth, people who are blind from birth, still gesture when they talk? Yeah, that's interesting. Now, I find that fascinating. In other words, they know, that they have no sense that, the, that they're making the right gestures. They don't know what gestures other people make. But, but they're, the, 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 the brain controls that work on our verbal communication also control our upper body motions. And so the body, the, a fulsome communicator is one who gestures. Now, we say big gestures as opposed to small gestures. High Ds tend to use big gestures. The way to define big gestures is a small gesture is, is something that's made above the waist, below the neck, and inside the shoulders. Okay, So they tend to make somebody who makes small gestures makes it in front of their, 
in front of their chest or in front of their stomach, um, in front of their torso, so to speak. Whereas a high D and of course high eyes, they make big gestures. They'll, they'll gesture outside their body, above their head, down at their knees or what have you. So look for those big gestures. And they also make gestures in your direction, which S's and C's don't tend to do. Um, and they'll also be very comfortable getting close to you. Um, these aren't huggers. They're not going to hug you, but they don't have any problem getting very, very close to you um, and being m putting their hand into your physical space. Um, they tend to make gestures that are quicker, that, that, are, that are made more quickly. They're, they don't make big, slow gestures. They make fast gestures. They make chopping actions with their hands. They point with one index finger rather than with their whole hand. When they point, their finger is extended in a, in a straight, straight line. You can almost see the tension in their hand. You can see their knuckles turning white, whereas an S might just do an open palm if they're pointing in your general direction. An S might say, Bob, what do you think? And it's if, it's if they're, they're um, handing you an apple in a very elegant way. When, when a D says, Bob, what do you think? He points at you as if it's the angel of death saying, it's your turn to go now. Um, they tend to roll their eyes when they're impatient. I read once that Ds tend to be impatient, and I, asked, I, I, I thought to myself, okay, what do I see? And so I started paying attention. High Ds are famous for sitting in a meeting, and when somebody says, let's take five more minutes and drag, drag this problem to the ground, the high D leans back, sighs, and rolls his eyes. <laughs> um, high Ds look at their watches. Um, they look at their watches twice in 30 seconds, as if suddenly time <laughs> warped into really fast or really slow. Um, they're also famous for walking away from people while the conversation is still going on. But they got what they needed, and so they're moving along. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, high Ds are famous for doing email and answering the phone when you're in their cube talking to them, even during the one-on-one -on -one they scheduled with you. Um, and And I hate to say they don't mean it, but... They don't. <laughs> They're just focused on results. And right now, you're not in the category of results. You're in the category of talking. <laughs> um, and, and I say this with a little bit of a joke because all of us have strengths and weaknesses. And the fact is, both Mike and I are high Ds. I also have a lot of high I as well. Um, I'm, I'm the more sales guy of, of the pair of us. Um, but, you know, th this pretty accurately describes you and I, doesn't it, Mike? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're nice people. We love other people, and we, we believe that everyone's good, and we want people to be successful, and that's why we're doing these podcasts. But, right. but, it gets, it, um, the, but the, the point I think that's important is, for example, y you might have a tendency to want to do email and to be efficient with your time, but you've, you don't do it. When we, when we talk, you do not do email. Right. Um, so you can condition yourself to act differently than your natural tendencies. Yeah, and that is, you just touched on it, that is the $64,000 question as it relates to this model. It doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what your natural style is, you can behave any way you want to if you think about it first. And if all you have in your kit bag is, I present the same way every time I talk to any group of people, you're destined to fail. The higher you go in an organization, the more you rely on the relationships and the strength of your relationships with other people. It is not the purity of your ideas <clears throat> or the clarity of your thought that gets you ahead. It is the strength of your relationships with other people. Now, your strength of your relationships do depend on the clarity of your thought and the, the uniqueness of your ideas. That's part of getting to the table. Um, but if you don't have relationships you can leverage and people you can count on and votes you can trade, I hate to say it that way, but it's true, um, 
<clears throat> you're not going to be successful at senior levels of an organization. I've just read some really interesting research in Harvard Business Review about how many people get by to the mid-level manager position and then wonder why they don't ever make it to the top. Well, it's because it's a different type of leadership and interaction required to get to the top of an organization. Okay, so let's, let's talk about that a bit, which is now that we've you know, been able to identify somebody as being a high D, how would we communicate with them differently to take advantage of that? Right. Okay, so let's talk in general first. Um, the, the, the most important thing you can do is be brief and to the point. In fact, a high D would say, Mark, if you really want to communicate with me, don't say be brief and to the point. Just say be brief. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and here's a good example. Uh, you know, the high D does not ask how we doing on a project. He asks, are we on track? And there are only two correct answers, yes and no. If you say yes, nothing more needs to be said. If you say no, there better be a period at the end of it, followed by why it's not. No, Mike, we're not. Here's why. Here's what I'm doing about it. And it's three or four sentences, and it's 30 seconds. And it, we, Mike doesn't care how you feel. He doesn't care how somebody jerked us around. He doesn't care that the budget got changed or, you know, that, that it was that there was an earthquake in Somalia. I mean, we, we just don't, to a degree, it's like, okay, are we or are we not on track? Because I have 17 of these projects to track, and I can't listen to every single person tell me every single thing in their personal life that might have kept us off track. Right. So for Heidi, don't uh, don't give all the reasons and save the uh, the answer to the end. Oh. Give them the answer, yes, no, and oh. then if you have to talk about any of the details, do so. Yeah. It's, it, you know, the Marines call this bluff, B-L-U-F, bottom line up front. Yeah. So if, if we ask, are you on track? Don't say, well, we're looking at this and this and this, and because of this and because of this, the answer is no. Because the moment you start with well, or you start with any word other than yes or no, the D looks at you as if to suggest, are you not human? Are you not American? Do you not understand what I just asked? Do you not understand the language I'm using? Sorry for those of you in Europe and elsewhere in the world. Um, are you not using the same language I am? I asked you a yes or no question. The only thing I really need from you right now is a yes or no. Um, so, yeah, brief, to the point, no nonsense. Also, um, they, um, Ds do not like to partner with other people. If you were to go in and say, look, I, I need your help, they're, they're not terribly excited about that. If, they say, I'd like to part, if you say, I'd like to partner with you on something, they don't really get excited about that. You can tell them what you need from them. I need you to do X, Y, and Z. If, if you want to define that as partnering, that's fine. They don't care. What they care about is tell me what you want me to do and when you want me to do it. In fact, I think I mentioned in a recent podcast, Mike, that our definition, my, or I'm sorry, my definition of project management who's do, is who does what by when. Well, that's a high D project management definition. Um, you know, what needs to be done and when does it need to be done by? Pretty simple. And who's responsible for it? Um, uh, also, in general, let them take the lead. Um, if you want to help a D give you their point of view, say, what do you think? Okay. Um, uh, be very specific. If you go in to talk to a D, talk specifically about whatever topic you want to talk about. If you say to them, hey, I'd, I'd like to chat, a D rolls his eyes and says, uh, okay, about what? And if you give them two topics, they're going to want to talk about those two topics and nothing else. Um, and now, th there are plenty of high Ds who are comfortable with you saying, I need to update you on my family. Fine, come on in. Let's chat. Okay, they're happy to listen. Um, 
But if you say, hey, I'd kind of like to have a conversation with you, if you say that at 9 o'clock in the morning and then at 4 o'clock in the afternoon it's scheduled, that's going to bug that high D all day long. They care about you. They do. But they care about you within a framework of work, uh, and they very much want to know you know, how they can get ready. And if they can spend five minutes in preparation for of a 30-minute meeting so that the 30-minute meeting can become 10 minutes, they're willing to do it. But they can't do that if they don't know what it is you're wanting to talk about. So tell them what you want to tell them um, or what you want to talk to them about and then stick to that topic when you get the answer. Uh, don't expect a lot of chit-chat afterwards. And and if you've got a 30-minute meeting schedule and you can get it done in 10 minutes, uh, boy, high Ds love you for that. And if you ask for half an hour and it always takes you 45 minutes, after a while you're not going to get time with them. Okay? Good. So those are some general um, comments. And, and uh, Mike, I'm sure from our registered users, we'd be happy to hear questions about, you know, gosh, Mark, I've got a high D and I'm struggling with how to communicate with him on this. What do I do? Um, we're happy to have those, those questions to the website. Um, secondly, delegating. How do you delegate to a high D? This is they are the easiest people to delegate to in the world. All you need to do is tell them what results you want and let them go. Hey, I need this project done by Friday. Here are the standards. Knock yourself out. You don't need to give them a great deal of guidance unless you perceive that they're going to be way off base, which um, they may very well be. It's up to you to decide that. Um, you don't need to coach them through certain steps. They don't really want the coaching before they've started. Um, you absolutely must tell them how often you want to hear from them, but but don't expect a half-hour briefing on everything that's happened. They're going to want to give you a very high-level briefing. Now, to be fair, I've had some people say, some high S's tell me, well, Mark, I really struggle when I delegate to D's because I want to visit with them and talk about the project and how they feel about it, and they don't seem to want to. Um, but then when they get off track because I haven't had a chance to share my thoughts, um, then they're very uncomfortable and they get itchy and so on. I, I said to this person, I said, well, the high D gets itchy because he or she doesn't like to fail. They don't like to not achieve the objective they set out for. But if you want to show them respect by giving them very little guidance and saying, look, here's the results I want. I'm not going to tell you which way to go. I trust you to choose the right way to go. You, I, you, you're somebody who achieves results. Go and report to me weekly and here are the things I want weekly. If they don't do it, high Ds expect detailed negative feedback. It would be like this. If Mike were my boss, Mike would say, Mark, can I give you some feedback? And I'd say, sure, you know, no problem. Um, I can take feedback. I'm a big, tough guy. And um, Mike says, hey, when I tell you to give me weekly reports and you don't do it, it really irritates me. It makes you look bad. makes me look bad. makes me think I don't want to give any more projects like this that are high visibility. And it, quite frankly, it makes me start making notes about what your end of year review is going to be like. You know, high Ds absolutely need to get the, they need to have their attention grabbed. Um, and if you were to say to a high D, well, it really, you know, it worries me about how you're doing and what your workload is, that doesn't really have much traction for a high D. Okay. So jumping right in then based on delegating, I mentioned some of this already in terms of feedback. When you give positive feedback to a high D, you want to focus the what happened statement. Step three should be on promotion status, their profile, uh, getting a raise, more influence, special projects. So Mike can give you some feedback. When you do this, this, and this, here's what happens. You look good for promotion. It, it makes me more impressed by you. It makes me want to rely on you more and give you bigger projects and give you more influence on things that will give you better visibility throughout the organization. And that means you'll be creating bigger results with bigger bottom line impact for the entire company. On the other hand, if you're going to give negative feedback, 
<clears throat> just the opposite, loss of respect, loss of influence, loss of promotability. Um, if you really want to get to the heart of a high D, say, boy, I really question whether or not you can handle the workload you've got right now. Ooh. That'll be, I mean, that will absolutely, wouldn't, wouldn't that get your attention, Mike? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like what? What are you questioning my very nature? Um, uh, something else very important for high D's. Rarely do you want to compliment them. You want to compliment their ideas, their actions, or their results. For instance, I'll give you a classic example, and this was actually coached to me by someone at a client a number of years ago. He says, Mark, when you tell me I'm smart, that really doesn't impress me. I just said, hey, look, I got to tell you, when you do that, uh, you, you make me think you are really smart. The guy takes me aside and says, you know what? I don't really care whether you think I'm smart or not. I care that I had a good idea. So if you were to say to me, hey, Bob, good idea, uh, I like that. But if you say, well, I'm smart, well, I don't really care whether I'm smart or not. I care whether or not whether, whether I have good ideas. So that's the difference between complimenting or giving feedback to their result or to their work, which is an idea, rather than to them personally. Right. These don't think of themselves as, having, as being terribly individualistic, separate from their work. Right. Results is all that matters. Yes, exactly. Uh, in terms of coaching, um, coaching is a lot. Coaching really is, interestingly enough, a form of delegating and feedback. Um, you know, it, it's funny. It's another one of those areas where I kind of, ch- this is another area where I chuckle, Mike, and say, um, gosh, it's as if manager tools had an entire thematic connection to it that the coaching process essentially includes delegating performance improvement to one of my, to one of our, our directs and then giving them lots of feedback about how they're doing. Um, but in much the same way that we talk in delegating about let them run with it, same thing with coaching. Tell them clearly about what you expect. Uh, set very clear goals. Set high goals. Don't give them softball goals. Expect them to do the research to come up with the resources that they're gonna that you're gonna consider. Collaborate with them on the pro- on the project list, on the task list, or action contract, if you will. Expect them to write it up, and then expect them to give you weekly reports on how they're doing, and expect them to tell you when they've achieved everything or when they haven't, and when they're gonna change resources because they're not achieving the results. Uh, if the clearer you are about results. And the less in interaction you have, the better, because it will send them a message that you trust them on their own improvement. Whether the improvement is to get to standard or whether it is to get them to a promotion, it doesn't matter. Um, and you've got to hold them accountable. A high D does not have any respect for a boss who says, hey, listen, I totally understand. You want to slip that a couple of weeks, no problem. If they don't make a deadline, you give them negative feedback. You give them adjusting feedback. Hey, Mark, when you know what? Can I give you some feedback? When you don't meet a deadline, it really makes me wonder whether or not you're blowing me off. And I don't like being blown off. So what are you going to do differently about that? You know, now to some of our listeners, that probably sounds like a punch in the nose. To a high D, it's like, well, okay, I get it. <laughs> and to be fair, as a friend of mine once said, sometimes to get the attention of a high D, you have to punch him in the nose. Uh, me- metaphysically speaking. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I can only imagine one of our listeners calling us and telling us that they punched their boss in the nose and wondering about yeah. the kind of advice we were given. So Yeah, we need liability insurance all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, and then lastly, let's talk about reporting to a high D. Um, and you know, you know, I'll tell you something, Mike, I, I think a lot of times it, 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 when people work for bad bosses, a lot more bad bosses tend to be high D's, I think. Um, now the workplace has gotten a lot softer in the last 20 or 30 years. And so high, high D's that are over the top tend to, tend to be, you know, recognized pretty quickly. And there certainly is a, a group of bosses that would be considered bad bosses that just don't make decisions and so on. But I think in terms of really bad bosses, people tend to, 
focus on the high D, the person who would berate somebody else or be loud or whatever, uh, while maybe perhaps achieving phenomenal results. And one of the things I think that's interesting is um, high Ds working for high Ds don't have any problem with them. They say, that's fine. I mean, they're direct with me and that's okay. I, I, you know, I've got a thick skin. And I think a lot of folks who are not naturally high Ds, whether they're I's, S's, or C's, could benefit enormously from applying this behavioral model, if you will, this communication behavior uh, um, style, if you will, with their boss. And if you work for a high D, here are a couple of things you can absolutely be certain that high Ds expect. Number one, they expect you to be very quick with bad news. Uh, if you know about bad news on Monday and you wait till Wednesday, they're going to perceive that you're hiding, um, that you're not being forthcoming, which they don't appreciate at all. They can tolerate somebody who misses deadlines as long as they understand why and what you're doing about it. Again, this is a case of the bottom line up front. If the boss says, uh, where are we on the project? You can say, we're yellow and we're going to be red in two weeks if we don't do this, this, and this. Here's my plan for doing this, this, and this. Here's the resources I need from you. Uh, it's not, gosh, boss, I'm really worried. Um, you know, I'm thinking that we might be red in a couple of weeks. And, you know, I'm hoping to get your input and see what you think. And, you know, I, I just, I'm not sure I know what to do. You know, we don't care whether you know what to do. We're okay with a plan that's, that's only 70% certain. But say, look, we're behind. I'm responsible. Um, we're yellow, we're going to become red unless we do these things, and here's my plan to do these things. And you know what the D will say? Okay, I think you ought to do two of those and not those, do two of those four, the other two get rid of, and here are the other two that I'm going to put in, your, put in place, and I want to report every two days on how you're doing. And I expect you to come to me with that report. I don't want to have to ask for it. And then, boy, don't be late. High Ds love people who meet deadlines. It's okay to be behind on a project as long as you let them know if there's a reporting responsibility that uh, w w the danger is being behind and not reporting on it, um, as if to suggest that, that um, you can either handle it on your own or you're not willing to share information about where things are because Ds are all about results. And if a project is behind or you're not doing what you're supposed to do or somebody's not doing what they're supposed to do who reports to you, the D expects to know about it. Um, they also want you to be very clear about what their results and their responsibilities are. A couple of podcasts ago, we talked about how to know your boss. This is a classic example. You should be able to overlay this, uh, the work we've done today in this podcast with those questions in terms of how your boss communicates and what he or she communicates about and put, the, put these two together and be able to say, okay, I know what's important to him or her and I know how to communicate to him or her about it. And asking questions about where, where are you on X about something that's important to her uh, is very powerful. will tend to make you much more likely to get a little bit more leeway if for some reason things aren't going well. Um, if you're talking about a personnel issue, which don't necessarily get first priority with high Ds all the time because they tend to be more task-focused, be clear about how the personnel issue that you need help on or that you're briefing them on affects their results. Always communicate with a high D about what's important to them, which tends to be organizational results, team results, numbers, facts, figures, um, those things that other people know about their work. That's going to be very powerful. But if you just talk about how you feel about one of your directs, that's going to tend to make them a little bit irritating because in their mind, they're going to be thinking, okay, I understand how you feel. What do you want me to do? Uh, and I, I often ask that of people. They, we spend 15 minutes talking and say, okay, well, what do you want me to do? I agree with you. What do you want me to do? Well, I don't know. So why are we talking then? <laughs> uh, 
I know that sounds bad, but sometimes that's the way I am. So, so those are some things you can do in terms of communicating. In general, delegating, feedback, coaching, and reporting. Now, you know, we've got 20 hours we could talk about high Ds and 20 hours on each of the four, but we thought we'd spend some time uh, each month for the next four months talking about each of the four. Um, hopefully, each one, of, each one of our listeners will recognize which one you are of the four, and you'll know that if you're a high D based on what we just talked about, and, and maybe we overstated a little bit, so if you hear some negatives in there, recognize that what you consider a strength other people may consider a little over the top in all four of the categories but if you think you might be a high d recognize that when you talk to other high d's you don't have to make any changes it's only if you're an i s or a c will you need to think a little bit put a clutch in your communication style and say wait a minute mark's different than me how can i communicate differently with mark in order to be more effective and that's it yeah that's great that that's going to be really useful folks i think People could listen to this podcast on D's and as we do into as we go into the rest of the disc model and go back to listen almost go back and listen to almost all of our podcast and get some new distinctions uh, yes. and new learnings about how this model would apply in all the aspects of things we talk about on manager tools because it is extremely powerful. Yeah, this is kind of um, the connective tissue of the organization, communication. And um, you can make big strides without changing your knowledge of your work, without changing the amount of hours you work or the projects you work on. You can be more effective simply by improving your systemic communication skills internally. Good stuff. All right, my friend, I'm off to uh, pick up my son from his lacrosse game. Great. Have a great day, buddy. See you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you once again for joining us today. And thanks for taking the time to register on our website. One additional note before we go. Now, we get a tremendous amount of feedback and questions each week, and we truly thank you for that. We found that although WordPress is a useful tool for publishing our podcast, it doesn't make for a great community discussion forum. Now, we hope to improve that through our recently implemented Manager Tools discussion boards. Now, you'll find those at www.manager-tools.com forward slash forums. Although it's not terribly well integrated with the blog at this point, We'd like to ask your patience and start to direct your questions and comments, particularly your questions, though, to the discussion boards. If at all possible, we prefer to take your questions on the discussion forums rather than email. We just get a lot of great questions on email, and although we love them, it just would be so much better if we could get those questions out there for the whole community at large to share. Uh, There's just too much great stuff uh, being talked about there to keep it to email and between just a couple folks. So if you would... Um, please direct those questions to the discussion forums and let's let everyone um, benefit from your openness and sharing of uh, experiences as managers. So that's it. Thanks again. And we'll talk again soon. So long.